Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hello and welcome. I think that's the way Matt Rutherford always starts his podcast, single-handed sailing. Ha, so I'm copying you. Shout out to Matt and his crew up there. I'm not sure where they are right now, but uh, I did mention something about their last video that they put out on the last podcast, so... Another little shout out for you there, bud. He's uh, quite the adventurer, quite the captain, and uh, quite the character on his old podcast. So if you haven't checked that one out, you definitely want to. But today I got a absolutely smashing question uh, from one of my lovely Patreon supporters, part of that family that keeps this podcast ad-free. And uh, I figured, you know what, let's dive into this one because it is kind of interesting. We're going to be talking about climbing the mast solo, how you get up the big stick without getting hurt, without getting injured, uh, doing it in a marina, doing it out at sea. A few examples from my time out there and how I do it. Uh, And then actually, I've got my computer in front of me. We've got a lovely thunderstormy sort of afternoon. I'm finished with work and I figure, you know what, let's do a pod. Let's do a sailing pod, even though I'm not in or on Mighty Sparrow. I've been working on boats all day. So we're going to get into that. And with the computer, we're going to be able to kind of check out what Sail Magazine might say about it and uh, see. I'm going to put myself into the position of someone who is trying to look for some gear and... uh, I don't know. We'll we'll just see how how it goes when I see some of this sort of stuff online and uh, and if it's anything I would purchase. But before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to support and keep sailing into oblivion, sailing into oblivion, uh, we will need help. We need patrons. We need people to support us via Patreon or. You can also follow the links to uh, do the old one-time donation, PayPal, Venmo, all that sort of stuff. That support, I have to say, really does help, and it keeps me pushing, 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 trying to find cool new people to talk to on the show, as always, and, you know, basically come up with interesting topics and uh, and all that sort of stuff um, that everybody wants to hear about. So definitely give a think about it, put this stuff out, put in a lot of time on it, and I appreciate more than you will ever know, all those people who have supported me for some of you years now, and I really do appreciate it. Other than that, we've got the merch line out there. Oh, baby, I love those shirts. I've been, uh, my mom actually is my biggest supporter, and the best part of it is that then I go and raid her closet because she wears mediums, I wear mediums, and then, uh, you know, I sneak them away to other people. So it's this uh, terrible little little ploy that I have going and now it's out of the bag. So I'm pretty sure she already knew I was doing that. So thanks mom. Love ya. So the link in the description for all those shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all that sort of stuff, even tank tops on a few of them. Uh, and then obviously we have sailing into oblivion, the book available on Amazon. You can check that one out. Kindle audible, all that sort of stuff. And the children's book is on the way. It's going to take probably a few more months for the illustrations, But bang, we're going to have a six-series, six-book series series, uh, children's reader. It's going to be great. Uh, The the initial illustrations that I've seen so far 
they cracked me up something fierce seeing me and Mighty Sparrow sailing around. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, other than that, if you want to reach out to the show like so many of you do, sailingintooblivion.com, podcast button, and click on contact the show. Those go directly to me. Whew, boy, that's a read. That is a read. I couldn't imagine if I had to actually do like proper uh, advertisements for, I don't know, what is it? They always have like, when I listen to other podcasts, they're always doing that that uh, hair growth thing, keeps or keep it. Uh, and then they're always doing Squarespace and they're always doing, uh, I can't even remember what the other one is, some sort of alpha greens or whatever. I don't know. Oh, geez. I, I'm so fortunate to have supporters that keep this show from having to ever dive into that because I have been reached out to, um, but it's it just doesn't seem worth it to me unless I could do it like Bill Burr does it. Like his and even Tim Dillon, both of those guys, when they do their reads, they're hilarious. And I know they get uh, they lose their sponsorships now and again because of the way they do them, but it's just classic. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, all right, climbing the mast. And we got to do a big shout-out to Chris, one of the patrons. Uh, he was one who... Wrote in, and I'm gonna actually let's see, let's let's uh, let's quote him on this. Uh, it's, it's interesting to have the old the old computer open, the screen behind the screen behind the mic. Um, let's see, what equipment do you use to climb your mast? I'm trying to get more comfortable getting up there, especially solo, and was thinking of buying one of those climbing webbing. Uh, climbing ladders rather than getting hoisted on a bosun's chair and wasn't sure if they were too gimmicky or whatever suggestions question mark all right well with that one okay first and foremost what do i use i don't use any of that stuff i've got steps going up my ladder i've got the old school they don't flip out or anything like that looks like a little tiny triangle um and they go all the way up to the very top and I do like that. I'm not going to lie. One of the big things with that is speed and ease of access. No setup at all. Case in point, I was sailing through the doldrums or getting close to the doldrums way back in the day on the trip around the world. And there was some lightning off in the distance. It was just getting to nightfall. A little bit spooky. I knew it was going to be a big squall coming in. And I went to lower the staysail. And I released the halyard, and the staysail did not move at all. And kind of looked at it, and I thought to myself, oh, what's going on? And I go up to the mast. Halyard's just dangling there, so obviously something has happened up top. I'm out at sea. The boat's moving, but it's not, it's not like rough weather by any means. We're, we're sort of in the calm before the storm. Obviously, it's a doldrum, so... Not a huge amount of swell. Um, you know, you do have to be very careful when you climb up the stairs of a mast without any sort of harness or safety net. So you essentially really got to uh, pick the times where it's appropriate to do that. Long story short, I sprint up the mast real quick. I find that the halyard has jumped the shiv, and uh, I get up there. I undo it, zip right back down because there is lightning off in the distance not ever a good time to be up the mast and uh, the staysail came down toot sweet and we were out of that situation and I also knew that I had to fix that that block 
that was up there and the shiv and the outer casing had basically uh, bent open. So it was one of those things where had I needed to rig up some sort of system um, or even just try and squirrel up to to that point because my staysail goes to about oh three quarters of the way up the mast. So that's probably 25 feet, maybe something like that, maybe a bit more. You know, if you're trying to shimmy up a bare mass doing that at sea, no bueno. That's really scary. It's uh, it's sketchy. It's dangerous. Because I have the stairs, that gives me a little bit more speed, a little bit more confidence. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, it was it was just being able to like zoom up there and zoom back down, take care of the problem, and that sort of did come in handy. So as far as Mighty Sparrow goes, I've got the stairs. And going forward, if I were to ever, you know, bequeath Sparrow off to some young buck with, uh, you know, dreams of circumnavigating in his eyes, or her eyes for that matter, I would would look for another boat. And if it didn't have stairs, I would probably install them. Because as much of a pain that they can be when halyards get tangled around them, and they foul things, and and that happens a lot. I mean, there's so many times where I'm I'm I raise my staysail from the cockpit. All the rest of it I have to do from the mast, and I'm back there in the cockpit, and I'm yanking on that halyard, hauling it one yard at a time, and uh, and it just feels like there's a bit more friction, and so then I have to go all the way up to the mast. I'm getting all wet, not happy about that, and then I find that you know. The halyard has wrapped around one of those stairs, and it's just such a pain. So I, you know, pull it out of there. Then I go back to the cockpit, and now I pull it the rest of the way up. And then, then I'm doubting myself. So I go back up forward, get all wet, and just check and, and make sure it's okay and it's okay. And I, you know, whenever I do that too, I'm always like, why anybody would ever want to lead everything back to the cockpit is just beyond me. Um, I know. I I think I talked about that before. That was always one of those things where people had asked that uh, about solo sailing. They were like, well, so do you have everything going back so you can like do everything from the cockpit? No, no, not absolutely not. I mean, there's a few things. Obviously, I want to sheet in and out the sails. Uh, but if I'm changing sail or I'm reefing sail, I'm doing all that up at the mast. Uh, that's, that's where I prefer to do it. I like to be uh, kind of where the action is. And I've got mast pulpits, which uh, my Uncle Bill, shout out Bill, uh, always called sissy sticks, which is uh, probably an inappropriate uh, triggering bit of language these days. But uh, back in the day, that was back in his day. That was all okay. (laughs) Love you, Uncle Bill. Um, And he just launched his boat. Good luck. Hopefully Calypso will have a fantastic summer season up there uh, in New England. And but yeah, you know, it's. It's one of those things where I like to be where the action is. I like to be right up there uh, by the mast, and with those mast pulpits, it's nice because I, I feel pretty secure when I'm up there. I got something to brace against, at least. Uh, now let's just step back out of the weeds and get back to the point. So these mast climbers, uh, really, you know, they are pretty interesting because I, I do remember a time where I needed to, and 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 let's preface this, so the biggest benefits I think of steps up going up and down the the mast is that you have speed, speed and agility. Boom, 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 boom. You go up, boom, 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 boom. You go down and you can do it in a moment's notice, right? 
That is, I think, very, very important option to have. Now, at the same time, though, if I have to spend a lot of time aloft and be up there for a while, stairs are not going to be enough. You know, your feet are going to start cramping up if you're having to clutch on and all that sort of stuff. So typically what I do, and I know it's kind of a no-no, but I essentially, I'll go up there with my bosun's chair on me. And I have a pretty plush one, um, just your standard Harkin, whatever, something like that. Shout out Harkin. Um, sponsor me. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I go up there with that, and then I just have like a little, eh, it's about a four-foot, five-foot tether. And I can basically take that and like let's say I'm working on the spreaders. I can go ahead and tether that off right around the mast back to itself, and that gives me a bit of swing room. But it also allows me to sort of rest up. I don't have to be clinging on the whole time. I can put the weight on it. And I'm using nylon webbing. It's pretty double thickness. And I think there might even, although there probably isn't, a backup of some sort of Spectra or Dyneema line. Uh, It's neither here nor there. But basically, uh, I had to fix and replace the wiring to... Oh, is it VHF Aerial? One of those big fiberglass ones. Uh, I... I kicked it right off the spreader near Cape Horn. Um, yeah, no big deal. Kicked it. It's just down there, you know, quick little Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I jibed on accident. One of the, like, five accidental jibes that Mongo did that I will always blame Mongo for. But I can't blame Mongo for the anger. And, and um, it's like basically I'm down below. I'm trying to sleep. I'm, I'm closing in on Cape Horn. And we accidentally jive. So I'm, I am so mad. It's snowing outside. <laughs> and I can still remember being so pissed off. And I get up there and I'm like, <laughs> and I grab that tiller and I just crash jive it straight over. Not, not my best moment by any means. And when I crash jived it back over with such a fury, ooh, I got a mosquito bite. Uh, I ended up snapping or at least removing the VHF aerial and the mount that was uh, not through-bolted, but basically threaded into the aluminum spreaders. Uh, And obviously there must have been a little corrosion, or or the bolts weren't big enough or whatever, but the whole thing came off. And I I didn't even notice it at the time because it was right behind the mast or the mainsail. And I go down below. And then I'm, I hop in bed like in a huff, and I'm just like, hmm, hmm, that'll teach you. Duh, 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 duh. And I, get, I keep hearing the weirdest noise. It sounds like almost like a halyard banging, but not really. It almost sounds like when you, you would put your ear up to a metal slinky and let that like go down like a flight of stairs or whatever, and you'd hear that the kind of weird noise. And Essentially, uh, finally, I go up there and I see that the aerial is dangling by its coax wire. And uh, all I did was pinch it in between some of the halyards because I was like, I'm just, as soon as I get to the Atlantic, that's what I deal with everything. I ended up staying up there till past the Falklands. That was the first time that I had calm enough weather to even attempt that fix. Oh, man. I can, like, it's so funny. I can put myself right back on those those exact days. I don't know if the fact that I ran out of alcohol and there were no even sundowners um, since like the middle of the Indian Ocean on that trip, but I do have to say uh, 
if I would have been like lock stock, tons of booze and uh, would have lost some of those memories, I'd be upset right now. So sometimes it's just better not to have any of that stuff. Right. Anyway, uh, let's not go too far off the beaten track. Uh, but that that situation when I did have to do that fix. That was uh, a long time. I was up and down that mass probably seven times. I'd have to read in my book, Sailing into Oblivion, The Voyage of the Mighty Sparrow, uh, available on Amazon. Uh, I'd have to read that one to be able to tell you exactly how many times, because I documented it. It was so, uh, it seemed to be inso- so insane, because each time I had to have more tools or different tools, and you can't take a huge amount of everything up there with you. So, And it was still pretty swelly, but... Uh, you know, it was nice to have the stairs to be able to go up and down, up and down, up and down. But once I was up there, I needed to be able to clip in, put my weight, use both my hands. That's an essential part of this whole thing. You know, when you're on the stairs, even in a marina, you have one hand on that mast. So you're you're a one-armed, you're, you're a single-handed uh, sailor at that point, uh, literally. So something to be considered. So when Chris poses this question about, hey, well, you know, these self-climbers, what do you think? Well, I think I've seen a lot of people do them. I've seen a lot of people messing around with them in boatyards, in marinas. There's only one example I have of somebody who basically knew exactly what he was doing. You could tell he had a ton of practice, and that is friend of the show, professional rigger up there in Rockland, Maine, Larik. Uh, shout out Larik. He was on the show uh, a quite a long time ago. He's fantastic. He is an absolute gem in the sailing world up there. He uh, He's built uh, a lot of Mighty Sparrow's rig, which has stayed up uh, through knockdown after knockdown. So uh, definitely the proof is in the pudding. And Larik has his own self-climbing system, which I believe, and I'd actually have to probably touch base with them about, but I believe it's uh, a system where it's kind of just this block and tackle that I think he connects up to a halyard that's already on the boat, and it allows him, he's got to have, I don't know, probably 150, 200 feet of line, but it allows him to go ahead, hoist that up, so the other end of the pulley, he's got a pretty decent purchase system, and he's able to just pull himself right up in a bosun's chair, up a bare mast, uh, lock himself in up there, and then be able to ease and release himself down. And for me, the simplicity of that system uh, and the fact that it's a kind of do-it-yourself sort of thing, that to me sounds like it would be right up my alley. Um, You know, we're talking about something that has a uh, a purchase system where you sit in your chair and you only have to pull on one line, but you're getting like three to one, four to one, six to one purchase. So it's easy to hoist yourself. And if you accidentally drop it, maybe it, it has a locking mechanism somehow. Um, again, I'd have to talk to Larique, but I do know they must have something like that. Um, but it also seems like a pretty basic pretty easy system. Some of the other ones that I have seen people use uh, involve, you know, these these sort of self-locking, um, almost like stairs, not stairs, but 
these like little lassos that are connected to the line that you're climbing up. And so you, you put your weight on it. And then as you move up, you can sort of drag it up and it will only go up. It won't go down. And then there's another safety line. I think when I start looking at these things, uh, I will be able to, I'll be able to sort of get a, get a better idea, but I've seen people in the Marina they buy these things, they try them out, they struggle like crazy. They almost always come back at the end of the day and they're like, boy, I almost fell the first time I used it. That was pretty scary, that sort of thing. Um, and it happens more often than not. Now, when I talk about somebody like Larique, he's probably gone up 5,000 masts with his little system. So practice makes perfect uh, when it comes to all of these things and safety being the number one it really is one of those things where um, I don't want to judge a book by its cover. Most of the people that I see do this, they do it once to try it out, maybe twice, but they're not out there grinding away every day, making sure that they really have uh, a solid, solid foundation. And I've never heard of anybody using one. I've never been, I've never been able to sit down and talk to someone who has used one of these uh, self-climbing things out at sea where, you know, the mast is, uh, you know, rocking back and forth. Oh, wow. Okay, so I just pulled up off Sail Magazine. Shout out, Sail. I'm doing a lot of free shout outs here. <laughs> I do like Sail Magazine. They've always been pretty good to me. Cruising World is also good as well. Um, you know, I used to really, really love Yachting World, and I still do, but I just don't see them anymore. They're, they're just not around. Four Ways to Climb a Mast Solo. Pete Nielsen. Hey, I know Pete. Uh, let's see. Updated May 24, 2023. Oh, wow. We're getting a picture of what looks to be an actual ladder of some sort that goes up the mast. I have to, like, move this a little closer. All right. Hopefully, we might get a little interruption on the sound here because <clears throat> i gotta move some things because of my old eyes my old eyes i can't see as good as i used to i'm a context full sunscreen all right still rolling still rolling okay here we go let me just pull this computer bear with me folks bear with me okay the sturdy kinlevin marine ladder felt very secure to rig a mast ladder, you must first remove your mainsail from the luff groove or track. Ooh, interesting. So that's basically like a ladder that goes up the mast and you feed it up the track. That could be great in a marina. Um, I think I'd want to throw it overboard if I was out there trying to sail. Um, <laughs> that would definitely be a pain. I couldn't even imagine doing something like that. Okay, the ATN Mast Climber. What's that one look like? Ooh. Well, no, wait. Is that the is that what we're looking at? <sighs> Long time regular boat cars. Well, I don't see a picture of it, so I can't do that one. Uh, verdict. Simple system that works well. Oh, okay, okay. The Mast Mate is a simple and effective mast steps to go up the mizzen. Okay, so this is the same, same sort of thing, but this one, instead of an actual ladder with like physical rungs, this looks like it's nylon webbing that, again, would go and be fed up the mast track, but it's got, it has basically loops interchanging side to side. I don't know about that. I feel like that would be, uh, that might be a little, little tricky there. I do like the fact that these things are like become part of the mast. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, 
because you know there's that that idea like you're out there and you're on one of these self climbers that's like just a rope right and a pulley or whatever and you're you're just trying to zoom yourself up there and all of a sudden say you you lose grip on the mast and the you know that that mast is 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 a major lever at that point and you hit the wrong little wave set with the swell and all of a sudden you know it's making an arc of like 60 degrees and it starts just whipping you all over the place. Um, that's how you get hurt. That's how you die. Uh, so we don't want to do that. So I do kind of like these, these the these little mass ladder things that end up sort of staying adhered to the mass. So you're just sort of clinging on to it and going up. That I don't know. That's interesting. It'd be kind of neat to go and actually be able to uh, to go ahead and okay, Kin Levin Marine Mass Ladder. Interesting. Uh, you know, these are all just things you might have to just check out on your own, uh, as far as the names of them, because this, this isn't really looking all good. Okay, here we go. Here's one of these things. The mast mate. Mm. Made of tough two inch wide nylon webbing. The mast mate is about as simple as a mast climbing device could be. Wow. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. There are four standard lengths. Okay, so we can do it for anything. All right, so this one looks like it's one of those where it's got, like, little foot straps. The Mass Climber is a simple and compact product that gets easier with practice. Yes, see? <sighs> Preaching to the choir there, guys. Preaching to the choir. These things do always take practice. So it looks like a little tiny bosun's chair, like, basically just like a harness built in with that. And then it's got little foot things. And I wonder, uh, tough, functional, and easily still. The mask mate does the job well. You need to wear sturdy shoes or your feet will feel the pinch on the way up and down. However, two topmost steps have stiffeners to make them standing up. Okay. That's not too bad. That kind of looks pretty good. That must have some sort of little pulley system so that you can sort of help pull yourself right up. So a little tool bag. They're saying it's like from 280 bucks too. Although cost should never really come into play with this one because uh, it's your life. You go up 20 feet above your deck, you fall. That's it, son. You're done. <laughs> so don't uh, pinch any pennies here. Shout out Jim Bob. He would pinch pennies. Love you, Dad. Uh, okay, mass steps from 25 bucks. Various makers. Now, this one I might have a little bit of an idea about because it's what I do. As seen on numerous salty blue water cruising boats, mass steps are a fine way to scale your rig without assistance. I've climbed several step-equipped masts, and while I can't say I enjoyed the experience more than any other methods, I couldn't fault their functionality. There are two kinds of mass steps, ones that fold up and out of the way and the ones that don't. Both offer secure footing, fast route to the top, provide you, provided you use the safety. Oh, Boo! <laughs> just kidding. I know Pete's just covering his ass. He has to. Uh, good on you, bud. Um, luckily, in the podcast world, you don't have to do that. All right, Verdict, if you've got a salty blue water boat, I would definitely equip the mass with mass steps. Done. All right. Chris, I don't know, man. I'm kind of in agreement with uh, Sail Magazine on this one. Uh, I think it's going to depend, you know, I kind of almost feel like you can't go wrong with the mass steps. Um, I know some people just don't like the look of them. They don't like the how they kind of get 
in in uh, in the way of things, uh, all that sort of stuff. But functionality, speed, ease of access, those are crucial crucial options to have when you're thinking about going up the rig. Now, if you're not doing a whole lot of blue water stuff, even though catastrophe can happen five miles from shore. You know, it's one of those things you got to prepare for the worst, uh, plan for, or no, sorry. Yeah. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think it'd probably be good to have both, but let's say you're just vehemently against, look at that word. Wow. <sighs> Must've been all that krill oil I had, uh, vehemently against mast steps. Like if you just don't want them, you don't like the looks, you hate them. Fine. I would think one of them ladders looks good if the vast majority of your climbing is going to be done in a marina or in a boatyard. But when it comes to being out at sea, actually, you know what? I would combine. Because if you've got, if you had one of the self-climbers, if you had one of these little ladder things, even one of the simple ones, which is sort of nylon webbing, and it just has loops, you know, uh, going back and forth, back and forth, all the way up, but it runs right up the mast, right on the mast track, so it just gives your foot a little something to grip onto. You add that to one of these mast mate things, which is kind of essentially just a pulley system where you can work your way up, although I guess I don't know if that would work because that's got its own foot straps. Well, either way, you could sort of mix the two together. That might that might provide a little bit of the extra stability for when the weather's not perfect and the boat's moving and that mast is acting like a pendulum um, on crack cocaine. Because <laughs> even, I mean, Mighty Sparrow, double ender, full keel, teardrop-looking design down below uh, the waterline, yeah, she rocks, she rolls. Uh, I can remember even just jumping over and trying to scrape the bottom one time. And when I when I leapt in the boat, just, just before when I was like sort of glancing around for sharks, I was like, oh, man, it is so calm. This is great. It looked like a mill pond. I got in the water, and that whole boat was just every time the, the boat and, and the swell sort of lined up, man, it was rocking and rolling all over the place. It was so hard to get back on. Um, so I don't know. That's one of those things you got to take into account for sure. Um, interesting, interesting. You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Chris, I would probably, I would probably go ahead and contact your local rigger or, or call up Larique up there in Rockland, Maine. Google it. You might be able to find him on there. And uh, I, I hesitate to throw a link out to, you know, his business because who knows? He's always so busy anyway. Uh, so call your local rigger. Leave Larique alone. Let him be. He's, uh, he's very busy these days. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. Such a good guy, though. Um, yeah, call your local rigger. See what they do. Because I know a lot of riggers, and they get to these boats in these boatyards and to be honest, the last thing they want to do is go up on your halyard because they don't know your boat. They don't know what's going wrong with it. Obviously, something's wrong because they're there. And I think that's why they like to do their own systems. And I'm sure they all have very good systems that they practice a lot so they know them very well. 
I can only give you sort of my take from my own experience out there. But, you know, for me, I'm just going to throw it out once more. Steps. It's all about the steps. Oh, we got we got to pause. One sec. All right, and we are back. Sorry about that. So now, uh, yeah, essentially, I think I think it would be good to sort of end off with a couple of, uh, or at least one. I may think of another one. Uh, horror stories. Those are always entertaining. We all love those uh, about people going up the mass and things going absolutely horrifically wrong. And the first comes, first one comes uh, just from, you know. Some old salts of mine, old old friends of mine that uh, essentially made little bitty mistakes up there. And these were people working on boats. Uh, in one in one case, it was on a very fancy, very nice. Uh, oh, I don't know. It was over a hundred foot sailboat and a uh, a small can of some sort of solvent or chemical was placed irresponsibly it was noticed but then i believe sort of it was sort of like ah, it'll be fine and then eventually it did tip over and it was probably only 15 20 feet above but it tipped over right onto these fancy tinted windows and we're talking a big boat 100 footer ah uh, yeah the tint got ruined on the windows windows had to be replaced at the tune of Tens of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. And that was a bad day. That was a real bad day. The person didn't get fired because they are awesome, and uh, so that's always good. But it was one of those things where uh, it's kind of the worst nightmare of, like, you're up there, you're doing this work aloft, and every motion, every tool, everything has to be perfect because you don't have the option of dropping anything. Now, I've also heard this one, and this is a bit of lore. I don't know if it's actually true or not, but essentially, again, on some boat, I don't know, in the 60, 70-foot range with nice, beautiful, fresh teak decks and uh, up aloft, someone was up there, I believe, almost all the way up to the top of the mast, either checking spreaders or polishing or something, but they had a screwdriver with them. I think in the end they were going to go up and check some of the wind instruments up at the top of the mast. But lo and behold, somehow lost their grip on a Phillips head screwdriver of medium size, which then proceeded, as it was described to me, in slow motion, tumbling. And they were able to keep focus on it the entire way down the mast. And it sprung and it went and it just literally stuck straight into the teak deck like a knife being <laughs> cast into a floor and just put a nice old hole on it. It must have fallen close to like 80 or 90 feet. Um, so it picked up a little bit of steam, but it was one of those perfect, picture perfect things. And if you could somehow have videoed that, you'd probably go viral, I suppose. But that person did get fired, believe it or not. Um, so that was not a really good situation. So those are a couple little horror stories. And I, I must say, there have been times where I have been up aloft back in my early days, cutting my teeth, cleaning engine rooms and climbing masts and doing all that stuff in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, there was one day, oh, we were working on this huge, it really was a motor sailor. It was about 130, 140 feet. I can't remember the name of the boat, but it had just 
Ah, so much bright work up aloft. You know, it had the radar, oh, the radar things up there that were had you know piped stainless steel guards around them, all that sort of stuff. And I spent eight hours aloft with a toothbrush, polish, colonites, and then colonites wax. Oh my gosh! But literally, after about six hours, my hands and my fingers started like cramping up. And I can remember getting to a point where I kind of thought, wow, I am going to drop something if I keep keep doing this. So every motion had to be super slow, calculated, uh, you know, never holding more than like one thing at one time. And yeah, it's not the most efficient thing, but it, it is. It's one of those things where it can be game over if you drop it. Needless to, to say, like, the cost of damage, but, I mean, you might hurt somebody, too. You know, people are walking around on the deck, all that sort of stuff. So that's definitely um, one of those sort of nightmare scenarios that you sure do hope doesn't, uh, doesn't happen to you when you're up there. So my advice on that would always be just be as careful and as cautious as possible. Try not to spend too much time aloft if you don't have to. Maybe do it in chunks. Uh, because that's always sort of a good thing. Now, on to probably the creepiest, morbidest, that's not a word, most morbid story I've, I've ever heard. And I don't know if this was folklore, uh, an old, you know, an old sea tale, an old yarn or whatever. But essentially, I remember being told this story maybe more than once or twice. And who knows, it could be real. It sounds like it's definitely real. But essentially, a couple set out, and I believe they were crossing the Atlantic. And, and this, this, besides it being sort of an interesting story, it's also, like I said, it's a bit morbid, but it does have, uh, sort of a moral to the story or a good lesson be learned ye. So essentially something went wrong up at the top of the mast or close to the top of the mast. And, uh, it's a husband and wife and the husband has to go up and he does sort of uh, he does the traditional bosun's chair. She hoists him up and then he's going to be up there for a little while. So he decides to clip in very much like me clipping in to my mast when I go up there to do a big, long project. So not much I can do about it because there's no one down below to actually clip me off anyway. So, uh, essentially this, uh, uh, a little bit of time goes by and something happens, either a stroke or a heart attack or something to the gentleman in the rigging. And uh, because he is clipped off uh, and because the bosun's chair is on him, he proceeds to stay up there and he passes away. And these people are out in the ocean and there's really no nowhere to go but just to keep on going. And... From what I understand, and I can't even fathom, I can't even fathom what this would have been like. I mean, the reality of this situation. You have not only not only is it your husband, your loved one, uh, you're in distress just because you don't you still don't even know what's going on, but the physical fact that there is a person up there in the rigging. And, you know, a person is full of liquid. Of all different types. And that stuff, ah, I couldn't, I mean, obviously, right? You get the picture. I don't have to say, I don't have to say that, you know, not all of him is staying up there. 
I couldn't even even imagine what that would be like. Uh, and from what I understand, it was still like another, I don't know how many days until that passage was over. And I do know one of my one of my uh, most most uh, burnt in memories in my mind was uh, uh, an old friend of ours down in the in the Caribbean who who sadly hung himself. And uh, we found him. We found him, I don't know, five days, something like that, maybe a week afterwards. Holy smokes. Uh, I was in the right place at the right time, or you could say the wrong place at the wrong time. But I showed up on my rescue boat, a uh, little tiny Boston whaler. It was on a little, in a little cove, uh, right in a tree, right next to the water. And so I was... Uh, basically grabbed by the police officials at that point, and we utilized my boat, and they utilized my arm to hold the flashlight on the body in in the in the tree, which was probably about ten feet away from me. Um, but I had to keep the light directly on the person, and uh, not only was he a friend of mine, uh, but just seeing that situation and having to look at it and sort of focus on it for. Uh, about an hour and a half while they took pictures, did what they had to do before they actually brought him down. And uh, that's an image that's ingrained in my brain for the rest of my life, for sure. Um, I And in some ways, I'm kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it may be kind of weird to say, but I'm kind of glad at least it was like a friend. Um, you know, regardless of how bad it was that he did that and all that sort of stuff, that's what he had to do. And, you know, hopefully he found peace and all that sort of stuff. But, I don't know, staring at a stranger, ugh. I don't know. Oof, that's a lot. That's that. That's just wow. The podcast just took a turn. Wow, it took a big turn. But hey, you know what? The reality is, people die. Got to watch out. Uh, and and I think it is valid to at least get dark a little bit when we do have this subject, which is very dangerous. Climbing up that mass. I mean, you know, picture yourself. This guy. Chris, you got your boat. You're just like, man, you know, I want to climb the mast. I want to do it safe. What's the recommendations? If I, if it's all, you know, rainbows and unicorns dancing in a friendly sky, yeah, he might uh, just think it's like no big deal. Well, guess what, Chris? It's not. Buckle up, guy. You're about to enter a world of hurt, <laughs> a world of risk. Somewhere above a boat, there lies a bosun's chair. Oh man, no, it's, uh, you know, it is, it's one of those things that has to be taken very seriously and, um, you want to make sure no matter what sort of self-climbing apparatus you do go for, and there are a multitude of them. I want to thank Peter Nielsen for letting me, uh, unbeknownst to him, uh, quote some of his stuff on his sale magazine article, four ways to climb a mast solo. Uh, but it's, yeah, it is. Um, you want to investigate, check it out, and then you want to practice with it, and you want to do it safe and sound. I, I would think, honestly, probably one of the safest things you could do if you are trying any of these is to get an actual climbing harness that you would use in like a climbing gym and have that on you and connect a halyard up, obviously by using a bolin and not by using a, a shackle or quick-release shackle. But have that as your backup so that you can have that. You got somebody there with you for the first time. You use the self-climber. All they're doing is making sure that if that thing fails or you screw it up, they're still going to be able to catch you. That's probably the best advice I've ever given 
in the history of this show. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be my advice there. Um, and just try it and then practice it. Make sure you're really good with it and and go. The other bit of advice would be to always make sure if you're doing this offshore to pick the opportunities. There were plenty of times where I just had to wait, wait until the swell calmed down. Then I knew it was safe to go up. The other thing is that chances are if it's really rocky and rolly and you go up there, you're going to drop something. It's not going to work out in your favor. You're going to tire yourself out. I mean, when I talked to Elliot Smith uh, about his experience in the Indian Ocean when he was trying to get the force day and all that sort of stuff on there, it was really swelly, and he regrets doing it because he was like, man, it was just, you know, we lost all the parts, and then I couldn't – there was nothing I could do. And it was one of those things where, you know, he was in a pretty precarious spot, so I feel the urgency of, like – I want to fix this now, like right now, because the next monster gale could be it's breathing down my throat sort of thing. Um, but if you have the opportunity to just wait it out a little longer, get to a place where it's a little calmer, then definitely do that. You have to pick and choose. Going aloft is definitely dangerous. And if that mast feels or looks like it's swinging from down on the deck, I guarantee you, you get about halfway up that sucker and you're going to be like, oh my goodness, this is un real get me back down let alone the very top i've only been to the top of my mast probably a handful of times out at sea in my life i go up to the spreaders quite often the view is pretty good and i feel pretty safe there but that's only about 20 22 feet up if that top of the mast on sparrows 40 45 um and that feels literally like mount everest sometimes especially if it's rocking and rolling i remember hearing an old story about uh peter blake sir Peter Blake, one of the greatest round-the-world sailors uh, there ever has been. Just a true uh, old salty dude. And he, I believe, I don't know what boat he was on. I think he was with Knox Johnson, but he had to go up the mast. And he was up there for a long time, and it was rough. And uh, that was the only time he ever looked a little green behind the gills, as they used to say. Um, You know, Peter Blake. Probably doesn't get seasick very often, but I think after swinging around on a huge old race boat mast in the Southern Ocean, uh, that might have got him. Other than that, uh, I don't want to get too much into, you know, climbing a mast uh, or using a bosun's chair with a partner, although it probably would be. That's definitely maybe a future show uh side note or full-on topic uh but i i think we've covered we've covered probably the important stuff uh when it comes to solo mass climbing and all that sort of stuff i think uh, it's been a long day it's been a long day but this is fun i'm so glad thank you so much chris for sending in this question because this is a great subject and i gotta say if if anybody else out there has like specific things like this man it will make my day i mean i am surrounded by Hobie getaways, uh, Pearson Ensigns, butterflies, kayaks, paddleboards, all that sort of stuff. So that's where my mind is at this point. And uh, even though I glance at, at pictures of Sparrow, um, you know, it's it's easier for me to come up with sort of offshore and big boat sailing sort of uh, content when I'm on the boat. And now that I'm up here in the great state of northern Michigan, it's uh, it's a little different. And um, I don't know. So if you got any stuff, send it to me. I'd love to talk about it and uh, keep keep a little, you know, I want to keep a mix. I want to get some interesting new people 
I want to get some old school sailing stuff, just go for some topics, you know, all that sort of stuff. Keep the summer rolling on and keep everybody happy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. And uh, remember, when you're climbing a mast, take it seriously because it is very, very dangerous. But boy, the view is spectacular. Thanks for listening. Till next time.